There was a young worker who came to his boss and he asked for the day off to attend the funeral of his grandmother and his boss said, well, of course, I'm so sorry for the loss of your grandmother. And the very next day, the young man was talking to his boss again and the boss said, do you believe in resurrection of the dead? And the young man was kind of puzzled and he said, yes, why do you ask? And he said, well, it's interesting because after you asked off and left work yesterday, your grandmother came to visit you. <laughs> do you believe in resurrection? Do you believe that Jesus literally rose from the dead and that all who proclaim faith in Christ will also rise from the dead? I do. My entire life is built around this truth and this passage and the others like it in the other Gospels, that death was not final for Jesus, that death is not final for us. It's good news. Several years ago, there was a five-year-old little boy, and he had a goldfish, and, you know, goldfish, they live a few weeks, and then they, what? They die. And so the mom said that he could return the goldfish back to God any way that, that he chose, thinking that he would go out into the flower bed and plant the goldfish there in the flower bed. Well, she was shocked when she received a call from the local postmaster asking if he could come down, she could come down to the post office where he held up a envelope and in big letters it said, To God, from Ben. And inside the envelope, one very flattened goldfish, right? There's something quite powerful though about the testament of faith of that little boy to give death to God, trusting that God knows exactly what to do with death. So how about the good news today that we serve a God who has kicked death right in the teeth and said, not today, not on my watch. You do not get my son. You do not get anyone who professes faith in my son. That's good news. Amen? Amen. Not a single one of us would have ever imagined having to give up for Lent being together in worship. That wasn't on my list of disciplines. And so now, the drama of celebrating an empty cross and an empty tomb and an empty garth in an empty sanctuary, it's, it's almost comical, honestly. I started to, um, to text the bishop earlier this morning and say, they are not here, bishop. They've risen to the entire body of Christ because there's even a great irony about being behind doors, closed doors, most of which are locked, proclaiming an Easter message right now. And I can't help but give thanks to God for the faith of the female disciples, for them having enough courage to socially distance from the male disciples who stayed locked behind closed doors. I don't even know if we would know the tomb were empty were it not for their courage. So I do give thanks and praise to God alone for technology, for media, for all who are helping us communicate the good news of Easter in brand new ways. Even though all of this is so new and so different, so much about our Christian experience and this journey to Easter has been different 
The choir has managed themselves differently. Our online presence has been different. We have a YouTube channel now. That's new and different. We're moving towards a new giving app and a new giving platform. It's different. Zoom meetings for Sunday school classes and staff meetings are different, and worship obviously is different. But the one thing that is not different, the one thing that has not changed or will ever change is that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and has overcome all suffering and self-isolation and social distancing. He's even overcome his own three-day quarantine to give this world hope because no virus or war, no pestilence or famine or political strife or even the threat of no college football will ever be able to change the reality that Christ has died, that Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. That's good news. Amen? Amen. This cross, once an emblem of suffering and shame, the place where our labels hung, the things we were trying to let go of throughout this season of Lent has even now become something new and different and beautiful as the flowers of promise, the flowers of the future, have replaced the labels of the past. Because friends, all of the labels of which we are letting go and have let go have been swallowed up in the reality that Christ has overcome all things. And the only identifying marker that any of us need is that we are a child of God, loved unimaginably by God, and redeemed by Jesus Christ. And every single one of us are gifted by the Holy Spirit. And so there's not a cross that, there's not enough labels that we can place on a cross that Jesus cannot absorb and redeem any more than the guards thought there was a stone large enough to keep Jesus entombed. You were so loved and grace has absorbed our struggles and our strife and our fears and has blown open the tomb to make all things new and to give us a life with new meaning and new purpose. You know, all four of the Gospels are a little different too. They all tell a new and a different story, but in a little different way. They all record Easter in their own unique way. Every Easter is a little bit different, and I'll say that's the truth this year. So in Matthew's Gospel, as you just heard, we get slightly different details about the resurrection. The angel of the Lord descends, but waits the first eyewitnesses to get there before the stone is rolled away in their presence. In Matthew's gospel, earthquakes are a part of the story because when Jesus dies, the earth shakes. When Jesus is raised, the earth quakes. And it's as if to say that something so miraculous as Jesus and his ministry in Galilee all of a sudden became so lifeless and it caused the earth to shake. But something that was supposed to be so stable and solidly sealed shut is all of a sudden moving out of the way and the earth shakes because God is trying to get our attention. God is up to something. And so hear this, my friends. 
May it not be lost on us when the earth shakes and when we're behind doors that are closed and when we are in fear and when we do not have the freedom and flexibility to do the things that we want to do right now, that the very first words of Easter from the angel and from Jesus Christ himself, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There's actually an Easter challenge that's given in these words, if you heard it in the text. Do not be afraid. Come and see, but then go and share. And that's a model for discipleship if I've ever heard one. Do not be afraid. Come and see. Go and share. Do not be afraid because he has been raised and he's gone ahead of you into Galilee. That's like provenient grace in our Methodist family. It reminds us that the risen Christ is already ahead of things like the shelter order and awaiting our arrival in a few weeks. And I believe the gates of hell will quake when that shelter order is released and all of God's people are able to worship again together. But that same resurrection power is present in your home and in your heart and in your life right now because of Easter. Because of Easter. So do not be afraid. Jesus is up on the move, up from the grave. He arose. Do not be afraid. He's gone ahead of you into Galilee. What does that mean? That's not exactly the first stop I would have made. Were I Jesus? I would have gone back into Caiaphas's court and Pilate's palace and said, surprise, <laughs> told you so. Who's the fool now? I still love you, but who's the fool now? You know? That's what I would have done, but thank goodness Jesus had a different mission in mind. So why Galilee? Because Galilee is the place where these disciples called home. It's where they first heard that call, follow me. There's something powerful about the call to follow Christ happening in one's home. The nuclear family, go back there. Go back to your livelihood. Go back to your ways of of doing things, go back to Capernaum and Magdala, Cana, Chorazin, and Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Go back to all of those places like Nazareth. But the messenger did not say, go back to normal. The messenger did not say, go back to the mundane, go back to the, to the routine, go back to the way life has always been. Do not go back to your past because it has been redeemed. Go back to Galilee and those places of familiarity because now that is your future. Go back to your homes. That is your future. Go back to your Galilee. Jesus Christ has conquered death. What is normal about that after all? I just think when the all clear is finally given, Jesus will be awaiting our arrival in all of our Galilees, and he will meet us there. Do not be afraid. Instead, be ready to encounter the risen Christ when you return to your Galilee, because we are being sent where people have doubts and where people have sorrows. We're being sent to a lot of Galilees. I think Jesus was sending us to a very fertile agrarian 
plain as well. It ties in with, with Jillian's children's minute. I think he was saying, go back to that fertile crescent. It's not just the dirt that's fertile, it's the hearts and the lives and the hands and the feet of people. And y'all plant some seeds together, the seeds of faith and hope and love. But do not be afraid. Come see that the tomb is empty, and then you got to go. Easter is so radically hospitable, right? Come and see it, but just for a minute, then you got to get out of here. <laughs> you can't stay because the tomb is not a place of permanent residence. It's not a place of grieving and weeping. It's, it's not a place to assemble or to loiter. It's, it's not about getting stuck in the past. It's a point of distribution for the future. So come this Easter, wherever you are, into these gospel texts and lean into the story and see and remember and proclaim that the tomb is empty, but then go and share that with someone. Isn't it interesting that while they were on their way to their homes, Jesus showed up in those liminal spaces of travel between darkness and light, between emptiness and fullness, and said, Rejoice! I'm back! <laughs> it says the disciples were full of fear, but also joy. Joy. Hear the good news of Easter today. Wherever you are right now, however long you have been entombed by this shelter order or by your grief or sadness or by whatever the label was that was placed on this cross, and for however long those things might last, do not be afraid. The tomb is empty, and we can find someone through all kinds of creative ways, through the chaos, the pandemic, the suffering, the fear, the isolation, to tell someone it will not last forever because we will rise and Jesus will be awaiting us. Yes, the cross is empty and the tomb is empty and yes, this sanctuary is empty. But because of resurrection, we are far from empty, brothers and sisters. You see, the entire theological message of Easter has always been one of emptiness. The entire theological message of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ has always been one of emptiness. There's nothing in the Gospels about a theology of fullness unless one is willing to pour oneself out. Our faith relies on emptiness. Jesus emptied himself out in this world by loving all the people this world said were the wrong people to love. And Jesus emptied himself out for this world by loving all the people the world said are the right people to love. <laughs> he abandoned all sense of self on the cross and he emptied himself and the cross emptied itself of Jesus. And today we celebrate an empty tomb because even death itself was no match for a Messiah who emptied himself in obedience to God. Do not fear it. Make sure you see it because you're being sent to share it to all of the people whose hearts are empty and whose plates are empty 
and whose pantries are empty, and whose gas tanks are empty, whose relationships are empty, whose checking accounts are empty, whose emotions are empty, whose purpose seems so empty. If you and I will visit these places, we will see the empty tomb of Jesus because these are the places all across this world where the stone is beginning to be rolled away by the power of resurrection. Amen? We get to be the resurrected body of Christ. These empty places are being raised to new life when we, the body of Christ, fears not and visits emptiness and has enough courage to share it with others. The body of Christ has been raised. The body of Christ has risen indeed. We believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. We proclaim it every single week. Christ's body, low in the grave, he lay, but up from the grave he arose. That's the centerpiece of who we are. In the spirit of the power of resurrection of the actual body of Christ, the church, the body of Christ, is rising. We are rising, friends, and I'm so convinced that the stone of COVID-19 will be rolled away and a resurrection revival is already beginning to happen. I know that because the cards and the calls and the texts that you send us all every single day, every single week, are signs and wonders that something magnificent is building and it's forming right now. I'll personify it again, but this virus thought that it could take Lent by causing us to give up each other. And now Easter people are, are battling all of this from home. But guess what? The tomb was empty. Jesus is still risen. We Easter people, oh, we're rallying. Momentum is building. We are going to be ready more than ever when we gather together and sing hallelujah, but then scatter to change this world for the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus Christ. Oh, it's coming. The church right now even at home, where the church started in homes, is beginning to breathe, it's beginning to flex and stretch, it's just beginning to warm up. And right now, as you prepare, I invite you to pray. I invite you to pour scripture into your lives. I invite you to, to fast because the day is coming when the cross is empty and the tomb is empty and our homes will finally be empty and this place will be filled up and our community filled with people who say emptiness is no match for the power of Jesus Christ. You might feel entombed right now, and maybe for a few more weeks, but we will rise. We will rise to something new. And I believe that so feverishly <laughs> that I've even directed our staff to start thinking about a second Easter here full of flowers and the honey biscuits that we have on sunrise, maybe another Easter cross and the hallelujah chorus and instrumentalists, we will celebrate an Easter, a new day of rising when this COVID stone is rolled away and the resurrected people come forth. All of that is possible because Jesus Christ has been raised to new life. He's gone ahead of us. He's asking us to see it today. 
And when we go, he'll meet us there. Friends, Easter is not the end of the story. Oh, no. It's only the beginning. Everything in the Gospels, everything in the Bible up until this point has been a prelude. It's been pregame fanfare because the story begins with Easter. It begins now. Easter people, raise your voices. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And nothing will ever be the same. Alleluia. Amen.